all, good evening. Uh, we're glad that you're here, and it's good uh, to gather together, and uh, just thankful for some great worship. Amen. I feel like I could just sing all night. Um, thankful for uh, the truth of the words that we're singing, most importantly, though. Uh, it's good uh, to gather, right, on Good Friday. Uh, it's a good thing to think about and to acknowledge the death of Christ. Um, death can be a really difficult thing. It can be a really tragic thing. But how many of you know and believe that for a believer, death really is a celebration, right? That for a believer, death represents victory more than it represents loss. Uh, there's loss and there's hurt and there's pain, but death represents something for a believer that sustains the moment and leads us into an eternal perspective. And so it's a good thing to gather together and to think about the death of Christ and to, in fact, celebrate the death of Christ. And so uh, I appreciate just having a few minutes uh, to be able to just share uh, some thoughts with you as we think about this and then uh, as our time continues in the service into communion a little bit later. I think a, a common sort of question uh, that we think about is, you know, what is uh, the significance of Jesus' death, right? As believers, as the church of Jesus Christ, uh, this is at the center of our theology. It is at the center of our purpose and meaning in life. And, And yet, it is easy to sort of gloss over it because there is so much depth and there is so much meaning to the death of Christ, And so this Easter and this Good Friday, I wonder what is the purpose? What what does the the death of Christ mean for you? Not just in general, but specifically with where you're at and where God has you positioned right now. What does the death of Christ mean for you? I want to talk a little bit about something that is very specific in terms of what the death of Christ means. There are books written. In fact, if if you want a good book, John Piper wrote a book called The 50 Reasons uh, That Christ Died. You know, there is so much value and meaning to why Christ died. And so I want to talk about sort of one specific thing. But in that one specific thing, I think it covers all of what it means that Christ died for us. And so I'm going to sort of I want to just share a lot of scripture with you, and if you if you want, you're welcome to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. That, that's kind of where we're going to be a little bit, but we're going to kind of move around, and so, uh, you know, I trust that you'll be able to just kind of follow along with me. But l- let me begin this by asking you a question, and, and this is probably a question that some of you have heard before, uh, but this is a common question, and in that sense, maybe even a critique of the death of Christ. And here it is. Did God sacrifice himself to himself to save us from himself because of a rule that he made himself? Right? Let me, let me say that again. Right? Did God sacrifice himself to himself to save us from himself because of a rule he made himself? You know, here's, here's the thing. Is that sometimes we... we 
uh, are either posed or, or we consider this question of like, why this? Why death? Why did God do it this way? If, if he's God and he's got this good plan, why was it necessary for death to be involved? Why was it necessary for pain to be involved in suffering? Why was it necessary for the wrath of God to be poured out on Jesus? Wasn't there another way? Wasn't there another possibility, another route that God could go? I like this quote from Philip Yancey because he answered this. Philip Yancey is an author and a speaker, and, and he answers this question. He says, God did not sacrifice himself to himself to save us from himself because of a rule he made himself. No, there are spiritual realities as certain as any physical reality or law of nature that we can observe. And one of those realities is that death follows sin. But... The God who is love sent his son to save us from our sin and the evil that naturally befalls all those who reject the good. Love was compressed for all of history in that lonely figure on the cross who said that he could call down angels at any moment on a rescue mission but chose not to because of us. At Calvary, God accepted his own unbreakable terms of justice. I think that that's good. But see, in this, there was all of these options, and God saw that there was one avenue that would bring about the most glory for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And He chose that method. And in that method, there is this, this lesson, this crushing lesson about death, about sin that brings forth death. And about life that comes out of death through Jesus Christ. And so when we think about what death means or what it means for us, it really, in a general sense, is about reconciling us to God. That because of sin in our world and in our lives, in our nature as human beings, that we are naturally separated from God, right? That God is a holy and perfect God. And that we are born with sin. We are born with an instinct of unholiness. And that those two elements cannot coexist. And so death became a necessary and natural part of the the conclusion of sin, if you will. In other words, it, it was necessary to bring about death so that there could be a finality to sin. And so in our sin, we are enemies of God. Romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 10 says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God chose his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And here it is, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. See, the death of Christ is the joining hinge of sin and death. And grace and life. It is what allows us to move from our position in apart from Christ to a position in Christ. 
And so I want to jump to another passage. This is Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to sort of bounce around a little bit, but Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And notice this, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace, wow, by the blood of his cross. Peace through the blood of his cross. So how does reconciliation happen? Well, reconciliation is having peace with God, being in right relationship with God. How does that happen? It happens through the blood of his cross. It goes on in verse 21. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And so we move out of sin nature into a place where we can be recognized as holy and blameless, not because of our goodness, but because of the blood of the cross. And this is what captures our gospel, right? Our good news. That through the death of Christ, we can be reconciled. We are no longer separated, but we can have peace with God. I wonder how much we long for the peace of God. You know, do we, do we desire peace? I think in our world, we desire peace, right? In, in our relationships, in our marriages, we want peace. In our relationships with our kids, you know, we want peace. With our bosses and our coworkers, we want peace. But do we want peace with God? There is this gift that comes, but it comes at a high price. And the cost of reconciliation, the cost of peace with God, was the death and the suffering. It was the pouring out of God's wrath in order for us to be able to receive the peace of God, to be reconciled to him. And here's the cool part, is that for those of us that by faith trust Christ for the forgiveness of our sins based on his death and resurrection, then we receive new life. We receive Christ. And this is what I love. This is Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. This is kind of the main point that I want to hit this, this evening. Listen to what it says. If then you have been raised with Christ, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, then you are raised with him spiritually. This is what Paul says. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. See, I love this. Because the death of Christ gives this opportunity for reconciliation. It gives us an opportunity to have peace with God. And when we put our faith in that, when we trust Christ, then we can be not only live with him, but we die with him. That we are hidden in Christ. And, and I just want to... Take a couple of minutes and, and think about this. Zach is going to come and help me. And so I, I want to show you uh, something here. 
to kind of illustrate this a little bit, so you're, you're probably, all you kids out there, you're probably wondering like what this weird thing is sticking up out of the, the cloth, or maybe you didn't even notice. But um, So Zach, go ahead and stick your hand in there. See what's under there. If it bites you, just don't say anything. It's, it's actually in between. You got it? It's really hidden. All right, there you go. What is that? It's a doll. <laughs> uh, it is a doll. So this is a special type of doll. I don't know if everybody can see this. I'm just going to hold it up. Have you seen one of these before? So there's a bunch of different names for this, but this is a special type of doll, and it is called, one of the names anyways, called a nesting doll or a Russian nesting doll. And so this is a special one because it is a New York Yankees, <laughs> which, is, which makes it even more special. Sometimes it's just like these pretty girls or something like that. And, but this is a nice Yankees nesting doll. So do you know what makes this special? Uh, because there's stuff inside. Yeah, because it opens. Okay, so go ahead and show us. And go ahead and open it up. And what do you have? Another nesting doll. Another nesting doll. Okay, and so is, is that it? Is that all that there is? No, there's more. There's more. Okay, we're going to keep going. All right, so now we have three. Is there more? Yes. Okay. There's one more. Is that it? Okay, there's another one. So there we there we go. And then that's a, can you open that one? No. Is it is it like a pistachio or something where you have to chew on it? No. Okay. All right. All right, very good. And so we have this nesting doll and it has all these different things and so it's sort of like full of surprises. So very good. All right, good job. Thanks. You can have a seat. But here here's a cool thing is about these is you know In scripture, the phrase in Christ or Christ in us is used 89 different times in scripture. And and so this idea of us being in Christ or or Christ in us is really at the heart of the gospel. It's really at the heart of what God teaches. And so a lot like this nesting doll, uh, we can focus on Sort of like, you know, it's focusing on the bigger doll hiding the smaller doll. And so we think about how we are in Christ. That Jesus is a lot like this bigger doll, right? And like a bigger doll, I live and I move in him. Uh, just, just like, you know, is kind of illustrated here. It, when we think about that, it is, it, it is a very comforting and encouraging thing to think about that you know, how I, by God's grace, have received all that Jesus is, and yes, all that he has done, forgiveness, reconciliation, life, healing, power, wisdom. And when we focus on the smaller doll, on the inside of the bigger doll, sometimes we can reflect on how Christ is in me. Again, by God's grace, I have new life in me. The very life and power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And so I don't I don't completely understand the full component, you know, the full aspects of how that works, but I know that it is a reality by the ways that Jesus works in my life and through my life. And and as a believer, hopefully you can kind of say the same thing. And so however we look at it, you know, we have this, you know, this this doll. And in this doll, there is this hidden component. 
And it is Christ hidden in our lives, but it is us hidden in who Christ is at the same time. See, in life, I think a lot of times we are desperate to find out the answer to some pretty deep questions. A lot of times in life, we ask the big questions, right? Who am I? Why, why am I here? What is my purpose? Where am I? And in the cross, these questions can be answered because really at the heart of these questions, of these big philosophical questions, there are even deeper questions that are there, aren't they? That when we're asking, who am I? Really what we're asking is, am I significant? Am am I somebody that has value? When we ask the big question of like, where am I? The question we're really asking is, am I safe? Am I secure? Am I somewhere that is good? And Jesus answered this on the cross in John 19.30 where he said, It is finished. See, God had an ultimate will and plan and purpose. God's ultimate will, plan, and purpose was that sin should be punished and sinners forgiven. Isaiah 53.6, And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. God's ultimate will and plan and purpose was that evil should be defeated and humanity liberated. Hebrews 2 verse 14 says, Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. God's ultimate will and plan and purpose was that death should be destroyed and life and immortality brought to light. 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 10 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. God's ultimate will and plan and purpose was that the enemies should be reconciled to one another and to God, that the whole of creation should be restored and reconciled to its creator. Again, Colossians chapter 2 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. So you and I, we're a lot like the smaller doll, hidden in the larger doll. My life is hidden in Jesus. I can't see this life, but I know it's real. In Christ, I am significant and secure. That answer to those questions isn't going to be found by doing something great or looking great 
or showing off your skill. It isn't about finding a good insurance policy or a retirement plan or buying a car that has 30 airbags. It isn't found by getting great grades at school or a promotion at work. It isn't found by fitting in socially or by finding the perfect spouse. I find significance and security in the fact that my life is hidden in Christ, in the Father. You know, in some sense, you can sort of think about this through the illustration of a mother who's expecting that there is a life that is in the womb of a mother. And that life is precious and loved. And there is a connection and a bond that is instant and immediate between the baby and the mother. It is a bond of significance. It's a bond of love. But it's also a place of security. It's a place of safety. It's a place where there is warmth and provision and nourishment and protection in the most fragile stage of life. It is hidden in the womb of the mother. I think for us, in a very real sense, the cross and the death of Christ represents the hidden things of Christ. Because see, there was a substitution that took place. Jesus took on the pain. He took on the suffering. He died the death that in our sin we deserved. It was our place to be. And Christ took it upon himself. Not because he deserved it, but because he was willing to do it. And so when you stop and you think about this, that when we look at the cross and we see the suffering that Jesus went through, it was our deserved suffering. And we were there, but our sin and our, our, our separation was hidden in Christ. In our pain, in the pain of the cross, we were there, but it was hidden. We were hidden in the pain of Christ. And in death, we were there. But we were hidden in the death of Christ. Our sin has been hidden in the blood of Christ. Does that make sense? That when we look at the cross, when we celebrate Good Friday, it is what we deserved. It is what was right to have happened to us. And yet, Christ came. And by faith, he offers reconciliation, peace with God, so that we can be hidden with Christ, so that we can be protected. Why? Because we are significant, because we are loved and we are valued. And so tonight, when we take communion and we worship some more together, and when we go out of this place and we think about and we celebrate Good Friday, we celebrate not just substitution, but we celebrate that in the substitution of Christ, we are hidden in him. And all that we deserve was absolved on the cross. All that we deserve was paid for on the cross. And what we've been given is significance. What we've been given is security. Do you feel significant? Do you feel secure? Maybe the question is, do you have peace with God? And if you don't, today is a day of salvation.
Today is a day that you can come to Christ and you can put your faith in him for salvation. And you can know the peace of God. You can be fully reconciled in relationship, right relationship with God. And you too can be hidden in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, first and foremost, God, your truth. Uh, God, we thank you for your death. Death feels like sometimes a weird thing to think about in terms of celebration. And yet, God, we acknowledge that there was victory, that there, there is a, a cause for celebration when we think about your death. Because, God, it was a death that was meant and designed for us. And yet you took our place. And God, you enveloped us. You surrounded us. You protected us. And God, you invite us into perfect peace and reconciliation with the Father. And so God, we give you praise. We thank you for this costly gift. And God, thank you that you saw fit to instill significance and security for each one of us. And we pray this in Jesus' name.